den Richtlinien so vorgenommen worden sind, wie wir das für richtig halten. Das heißt... Hey, Billy, why do you look so down? Aw, oh, Dad, I got a computer, a PlayStation, and a barn full of iguanas, and I'm still bored. <sighs> Gee, Billy, when I was your age, I would read lots of stories in pulp magazines. Oh, with stories of weird adventure and fantasy, horror, satire, and lots of action. Wow, that sounds great, Dad. Yeah, I sure wish there was something like that right now. <laughs> there is Daddy-O! Who are you? I'm Dr. Mary Von Roxbrocket, host of the Twisted Pulp Radio Hour, and now there's... Yeah? Twisted Pulp Magazine! <laughs> What's that, Doctor? Why, it is a return to greatness! Available on all your digital devices! That is what it is! Look! Exciting and, dare I say it, very unwholesome. You definitely have that right, my good man. <laughs> Thanks, Dr. Mary. My pleasure, Billy. And just between you and me, I am not sure that this man is really your father. Bye. Dad? Uh, just read your Twisted Pulp magazine, Billy. Twisted Pulp magazine, available in dark alleyways behind meth labs everywhere, or at amazon.com or archaicmedia.info. That is A-R-C-H-A-I-C-M-E-D-I-A dot info. <laughs> Doldrums by Eve Taft. Read by Wesley Critchfield. Journal recovered from the C.S. Dolores. Found empty and dead in the water on July 9th, 2005. The crew, including Ben Hawthorne, author of the journal, remain missing and presumed dead. July 6th, 2005. I'm sober again. I took a job on a container ship as an ordinary seaman. My brother didn't even joke about the title on my ID card when he dropped me off. That shows me exactly how worried he is. However many years later, it shouldn't still make me feel guilty. But it does. I suppose the flip side of the coin is that they shouldn't still worry. But they do. My father, who was in the passenger seat, handed me this notebook right before I walked onto the gangway. He said it can be lonely at sea, and that I should write too. And here I know what he was going to say. Stay sane and thought better of it, and so he said, Give yourself something to do. 
Lots of people with various psychiatric qualifications have told me to keep a journal. I only did it once, at 16, and I wrote about the demons in my head and how they wanted me to kill everyone in the ward and roast them on the spit. My social worker, after reading it, said that if I ever got my act together, I'd make a good horror novelist. Then she told me to knock it off because I was her most difficult case. I liked her well enough, so I did. The problem is, when I'm not making up stuff, the blank page gets too threateningly bright. Writing about myself feels like going to confession, which I always absolutely hated. But I'm giving it a try now, rambling a little, and it seems to be okay, as long as I don't think too much about what I'm doing. It's day three of living here, and I'm starting to see why all those Victorian women were taken to the seaside to make them stop having fainting spells or whatever. There's something about the air that makes my head feel clearer than usual. No one makes me talk, and the work is difficult. But in a way, I can manage. Hard on my muscles, not my mind. July 7th, 2005. It rained today. My back aches. I'm back in bed and done writing, so I'm going to read until I fall asleep. These past few nights, I've slept all straight through. Something I can't remember doing in ages. I guess I'm supposed to talk about my feelings, so... Here. Weary. July 8th, 2005. The crew doesn't seem like a bad lot. Played cards with them last night. Got cleaned out. But apparently, that always happens with the newcomers. Weird to see no land, no matter how far out I look in any which way. Once, I was on a transatlantic flight as a teenager and I started hyperventilating, because I couldn't see any ground out my window, and I couldn't imagine how anyone would find us if the plane went down. The flight attendant gave me a bag to breathe into, and my father bought us both shots of whiskey until I dropped off to sleep. I think the stewardess knew that he was giving them to me, but wanted me to shut up enough that she pretended not to notice. I woke up in Italy with a hangover. This time I don't feel so bad, the open space is just extra room to breathe. Maybe it just overwhelmed me the first time. Maybe if I stayed awake, I would have gotten used to it. July 10th, 2005. Something happened. There's no one left on board but me. I woke up today and dragged myself to the galley. But the place was dark and empty. The kitchen staff get up around four to start meal prep, so they should have been there for hours. I wondered, can you go on strike on a ship? Not likely. Some of these guys might be apt to bring back the custom of keel hauling when they get hungry enough. I took a few granola bars and went looking for someone, any other human being. Something felt wrong. Really, really wrong. There was this tinny ringing in my ears so bad that I started feeling dizzy. I, I tried to ignore it, but then I realized what it was. Everything was quiet. The engine wasn't running. After that, I panicked a little, but it doesn't matter because there was no one around to see it. I ran through the cabins, banging on doors, even up to the bridge and down to the engine room. No one is here. The comms are dead. I'm out in the middle of the ocean, alone. I got too scared to be in the quiet. 
echoey inside of the ship. So I went up on deck and looked around at the towers and the metal cargo containers, the still gray water around me, and the place where I thought the horizon was. But it was so misty, I couldn't tell the difference between the clouds and the fog and the ocean. I tried shouting a few times, but my voice was so tinny, it made me even more afraid. It's night now, and I'm back in my cabin. I'll try to sleep because I don't know what else to do. Maybe, maybe everything will make sense in the morning. July 11th, 2005. I spent the whole day in the bridge, trying to get the communications working. What I've learned is that this thing is essentially a brick that floats. Everything's down, except the electricity and the bilges and stuff. I won't sink, but I'm not going anywhere. Not on my own, anyway. No cell service, either. I'm moving, I think. There's no landmarks to go by. But that's the sea, not the engine. All the navigation systems are shot, too. I sure as hell don't know how to go by the stars or whatever people used to do. I tried to read some of the manuals on the engine room, but they all assume you know a lot of words that I don't. Last night, I heard some noises that I thought were just the ship creaking. But I know they were too rhythmic for that. They were like footsteps. Huge. Slow ones. I can't tell where they're coming from. They started up again after the sunset. I've locked my cabin door. I can't bring myself to turn off the light. July 20th, 2005. I've given up hope that I'm still in the shipping lanes. Today I saw another container ship on the horizon, and I tried sending out flares, but it passed out of view, either without seeing them or without caring. I wonder how deep the water is here. I wonder what's underneath me. July 23rd, 2005. During the day, I try to convince myself it's just the ship making noise. It's not, though. It's something moving. The sound came past my cabin last night. Drag. Thump. Drag. Thump. Drag. Thump. I sat in my bed, waiting for the door to open. But it went straight by me, as if it didn't notice the silver light coming from under my door. Eventually, it faded away. Around five in the morning, after trying to sleep for a while, I thought about trying to get in one of the lifeboats. I was trying to figure out how to work the things, when I realized how insane it was to leave this huge ship with all the food and water for a tiny dinghy. Now dawn's breaking and I'm cursing myself for not striking out while I had the courage. I thought about occupying my time with a relapse. I could probably find some booze, but it wouldn't help. First of all, drink stopped being enough to get my brain to shut up a long time ago. And second, this isn't happening in my head. Unless I'm adding severe hallucinations to the list of things that are wrong with me. Which I doubt. I'm usually lucid. Miserably, horribly, torturously with the program. And that's the problem. 
I can't tolerate reality. Or maybe reality can't tolerate me. Anyway, all a few shots would do is flavor me for the big monster that can't seem to decide whether it's going to eat me or not. I don't really like being drunk or high or whatever. It just dolls up the edges. And that helps. I was always an addict of sorts, tangentially. As a side effect of methodically trying all the things that might make me feel at home in the world. Heroin came close to working, at least the first time. But after the last OD, I figured I was costing my family too much money, and so I had to actually bother getting off the stuff. Which is how I ended up here. So maybe my first mistake was checking into rehab. July 25th, 2005. This place felt huge when I first boarded. Like an island or a floating city. Not a boat. Now it seems tiny. Like a cage I'm sharing with a monster. Nowhere to hide. I imagine something coming up from the water. Swallowing me in the Dolores hole. A wave smoothing over where we'd been. We would be a trinket on the sea floor, down where even light can't go. When I'm in the bridge, aimlessly looking for some mechanical way out of this, I find myself moving stealthily, like a kid sneaking somewhere I'm not supposed to be. I've given up on flipping the right switch, but I have to go through the motions, which is something I've always been good at. Use the coping skills to go to meetings, really really try at whatever new thing I was supposed to be doing that would make me pull myself together this time. The silence itself starts to feel like it's watching me, warning me not to break it, it being the silence, warning me not to break itself. It's stupid. I'm alone during the day, and at night the thing walks, never varying pace to the stacks of cargo like some cold, slick skyscrapers. Their insights always as much of a mystery to me as the shipping crates. I don't know if it's hunting or patrolling or maybe it's just pacing. Like I do sometimes on the deck. It comes by my door every night and I've almost gotten used to it. But last night, I swear it paused just for a minute before it continued on. July 27th, 2005. Apparently, I have some survival instinct left because after another night of it waiting outside of my door for a bit, I decided that running wasn't really an option. Hiding definitely is. I picked a container near the center where I figure I'll be safest and pried it open. Inside were a bunch of boxes filled with t-shirts, which is lucky, because moving anything heavier would have been a pain, or maybe impossible. I burrowed my way through, cleared out a space in the middle, dragged in my mattress and some rations. At night, I close it, and pile as many of the t-shirts up against the door as I can. These things weren't meant to be locked from the inside, so I'm mostly relying on the fact that I'm hidden in a maze of metal. It's pitch dark inside, which helps. If I sit perfectly still, breathe shallowly, it's like I'm not even here.
July 29th, 2005. During the day, I can't stand being in my container room. It's too close. Too easily cornered. I spend most of my time out on the deck. It's warm enough wherever I am. I make myself go to the engine room and the bridge to try to get it back online. But nothing works. It's harder to make myself explore the guts of the ship. Anything could be around those corridor corners. Even in the daylight. But I look for signs of people. I find nothing. So I'm relieved when I get back to the deck. It hasn't rained. There's also no wind. And I can't tell how far I've gone. Or if I've gone anywhere at all. July 31st, 2005. Or is it August 1st? I don't know what time it is. It's too dark in here to tell if it's night still. The noises woke me up, and I burrowed under the t-shirts for a while. How long, I don't know. I can't see light from in here, so it could be noon or it could still be night. An hour ago, I slithered out because breathing was getting hard, and I wanted to write, because I can't stand to turn my light on because that'll make me easier to find. I'm shaking, too. My hands are quivering, even though I look at them and beg them to stop. It's like they don't belong to me. They don't listen. And now I'm thinking about all the things that they could do if it's not me in charge of them. And I can't stop. Can't stop. High noon. I don't know how long I laid there crying about my hands. But eventually I got hungry. I was out of food in my container, so I came to the galley. It's better here. There's light, and I'm not shaking as much. And my hands are doing what I tell them to, and pretty much only what I tell them. I'm trying to push away the idea of them strangling me in my sleep. I started throwing stuff overboard, thinking it might work as a breadcrumb trail. The camp chair sank. The wooden pallet is still floating, but it's barely ten yards off. Neither of us, it seems, are moving. Evening. This is the part where I'd say it's getting closer. But it's not. In fact, the sounds seem further away. And some days I don't hear them at all. Even whatever it is has left me. I went back to the cabin last night and I slept there. Nothing bothered me. Also, when I woke up this morning, the pallet was gone. I don't know if we drifted away from each other or if it sank. I'm starting to think I'm not on the Atlantic anymore. That I passed through something. Accidentally. Something I wasn't meant to or wasn't meant to live through. And now I'm in limbo. Which I think the Vatican II got rid of because of the ideas of unbaptized babies having their own special version of hell which was worse for PR than all the molestation. On bright days, when it's quiet, it reminds me of the moments between being found and being resuscitated, all those times I OD'd. I remember asking the EMT why she'd woken me. I was having such a wonderful dream. She looked at me, exasperated, like a mother looks at a kid who really doesn't understand, no matter how many times she's explained it, that you're not supposed to stick forks into electric sockets. Maybe that's what this is. Maybe I'm in the 30 or so seconds that I'll later learn I was legally dead for. I went out on the deck and yelled, Don't bother! It's not that I want to die. 
but I have some respect for the rules. I've dodged the Reaper a lot of times now. It just might be my moment, and dragging it out doesn't do anyone any good. There's got to be other people in the CR who need help. Tomorrow. That was another thing I asked back in group therapy. What if I was the Red King dreaming? Then we all talked about coping with the delusions. And my roommate made me knock the pretentious Alice in Wonderland shit off. Because it was a cliche. And I was just a sick idiot trying to worm my way out of talking about whatever my issues were. Then this chick who did a lot of acid and almost died from serotonin syndrome got all self-conscious and put her jacket back on because she had a we're all mad here tattoo on her right arm. So we had to talk about tempering honesty with sensitivity. I didn't bother pointing out that the Red King is actually from Alice Through the Looking Glass, not Alice in Wonderland, because Through the Looking Glass is a chess game and Wonderland is a card game. I also didn't bother asking my next question, which was the same, but about Lovecraft's whole in his house in Rala, dead Cthulhu waits dreaming thing. Because I didn't want to get accused of trying to sound profound again. I really just wanted to ask if maybe there was a possibility that some people dream the world while other people live in it. And if no one is dreaming, does the whole place just go away? Which might be why we have time zones. To make sure someone is always asleep. Or it's mostly cats dreaming the world. Or babies. Or koalas. Which I think sleep like 20 hours a day. Actually, maybe that's what happened. Everyone stopped dreaming. Actually, maybe that's what happened. Everyone stopped dreaming. And all that's left is the loading screen of a video game. Which is where I am now. You're not supposed to ask those questions. Or the ones about what happens when the universe experiences heat death. Or about black holes. Or how many multiverses there are. and Or why we don't feel dizzy. Even though the earth is falling and spinning. And so is the whole solar system. People tell me to stop thinking about these things. But it never works. Because I have a superstition that at least one person has to worry about them or will lose track and fly out of orbit or get hit by a meteor or wander into another dimension. Which is probably what happened anyway. So I guess they were right. No point. When we were kids, sometimes my brother would offer to worry about it for me so I could have a break. And that helped. But after a while, I realized he was just saying it and not actually thinking about the things I told him. So I had to go back to doing it all the time. I'd come up with a whole bunch of new questions to think about anyway. Once I started panicking about atoms, how technically they never touch because of the opposing force between them. All you're feeling is that opposition, not anything else. And it meant I'd never really touched anything or anyone for real. It was a stomach-clenching loneliness. One that made me start screaming. And I got a sedative jammed in my ass. You're not supposed to wonder about these things. Later. I don't think I'm dead. I would have run into someone by now. Even later. Today I leaned over the side of the ship. And I stared down at the water for a bit. Wondering what might live down there. What creatures would see me in the C.S. Dolores. As a cloud over their sky. For once, I didn't get that niggling feeling that I wanted to jump. I just felt like I was part of the sky or the sea, since I could never find the line between them anymore. I went into the galley and made soup and thought more about dreams. What if there was a global plague and it attacked people's ability to sleep? And now there's universal insomnia. 
So I have to dream the whole world for everyone else. But they never dream it for me. That would explain why I'm stuck here. Maybe that's my job. To stay here and dream. It wouldn't be so bad. But I get the feeling that reality is pretty complex and big. And lots of people have to dream it at once. I don't think my brain can handle it all on its own. My guess is that everyone's experiencing a fair few glitches, which I feel bad about. I took a nap after and told myself I was dreaming the world. I tried to think only of good things as I drifted off. So if I really was constructing reality for 7 billion people, they'd at least have a nice time. Log time. Whenever. I can't tell if what I see up ahead is clouds or land. I'm laying on the deck, trying to decide what I'm hoping for. This is an odd feeling. Like I have all the time in the world. Like life's coming at me at a reasonable pace, not on fast forward. I can think about everything. Atoms not touching. How big the universe is getting and... Out there, when there's no horizon because of the mist... The questions don't run up against the edges of the world and get trapped. I can just think them. And they don't crowd me. Until I can't breathe. I'm not about to panic my way into oblivion and then get dragged back against my will. It's okay here. There's enough space for everything. And really, I'm not that much lonelier than I was before. I must be in a current of some kind. It guides me gently towards something that might be land, or might be... You can't get a mirage on the water, can you? What's the opposite of a mirage? Imaginary land you see on the water? Anyway, I've been moving toward it this whole time. I was just too panicky to feel it. But now, if I shut my eyes, lie back on the deck, I know I'm on course. I don't know where to. I never really have. When I think back, I don't even remember where Dolores was supposed to make port. I'm not sure I ever knew. Log time. Penultimate. I'm not taking this notebook with me when I get there. I have an idea that it'll explain where I'm going and what happened. If someone ever finds it. Except it won't. Because no one will understand. I should have tried harder, been clearer, organized my thoughts so I didn't start getting new ones before getting to the end of my first one. It's what always happens. But that's no excuse. I don't mean to be this misshapen and hard to figure out. Everyone used to think I was putting it on, like a mask. Except, it was my real face, and no one would believe me. I told the truth much more often than anyone gave me credit for. This, too, is what really happened. At least, I think so. Though I don't know which of us dreamt it. <laughs>